welcome to the Mental Health Boot Camp Podcast. Where? Hello. <laughs> podcast for four psychotherapists, three from Canada, one from the United States, serve you cutting edge mental health knowledge. I am Dr. Ryan Howes from Pasadena, California. And I'm Dr. Brooke Lewis from Vancouver, Canada. I'm Chris Boyd, also for Vancouver, Canada. And I'm Joanna Boyd from Vancouver, Canada, and Chris's younger sister. Yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to late October and Halloween season. Holidays mm-hmm. are among us. Uh, I guess cold weather is actually coming to you guys, which is interesting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It is. Yeah, so there's an Arctic wind or something coming down through BC. So most of the southern BC is under a snowfall warning Mm. for right now. So up to, let's say between three to seven or eight inches of snow. Wow. Really? In Vancouver as well? Vancouver's kind of right on the outskirts. It may or may not snow in Vancouver, but um, so in Whistler, where we're going to go, they're like three inches maybe, but then when you're getting into uh, like the mountain passes and stuff, then that's going to be more like eight inches of snow. Do you, do you have your snow tires on? I do. Okay, good. Those are needed now. Never took them off. There's certain highways up here in Canada that are required to have snow tires. Otherwise you can get ticketed. Yeah. From October 1st till March 31st. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Wow. Okay. Well, we are in that, uh, we're falling in that season, so mm-hmm. drive mm-hmm. safe. Mm-hmm. I have a, a serious question for you all. What's okay. your favorite Halloween candy? Hmm. Oh. Wow. It's not candy corn. I'm not into those little waxy, oh. waxy bits <laughs> there. They don't really do it for me. Uh, Tootsie Roll. Is one of my favorite. What? No yeah. way. I that think, is a um, good one. I just especially, yeah, you get their little ones or the ones that are a bit of a bigger <laughs> log or whatever they are. Yeah. Uh, and then the little flavored ones, like you got in that boot, Brooke, that you got. Um, and then just a good old. Wait, just little- wait, hold on. Hold on. Brooke ordered a pair of boots, and the people sending the boots put a little bag of candy in the left boot, and Brooke thought that was adorable, right? Yeah, I just, oh, it brought me so much joy. Yeah, it was so good. So good. Well done. Shoes for the soul. Nelson, BC. Well done. <laughs> oh, a shout out. A plug. Yeah, great. A big old plug. You candy in that right boot next time. I hope so. <laughs> so, okay. So, <laughs> yes. we got Tootsie, Tootsie Rolls. Roll. Or like the little Smarties. Those would be my go tos. Who are you? <laughs> you know, I have a feeling uh, Brooke is asking this question because every time I walk in a grocery store, there's all these different boxes and mixtures of chocolate. So I usually eat a tremendous amount of it before Halloween gets here. But I like, uh, I like the, the, up here in Canada, we have a box that has like the arrow in it, the Smarties and the Kit, Kit Kat. Kats. And Coffee Crisp. So and Coffee Crisp, yeah. The, 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 like the bento box, uh, the mixture of, of chocolate. So good. Coffee crisp. I don't even know of coffee crisp. Wow. Okay. Delicious. 
Does it taste like, like a, coffee? It's like a wafery, wafered, yeah, covered in, dipped in chocolate, and it's a little coffee flavored. So it's, Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I'm just a, a sucker for the old, uh, the mini Three Musketeers, Milky Ways, Snickers mm. bars, those little guys. Nice. Oh, yeah. They're, they're my go-to. Yeah, Those are the good. ones I steal from my kids' bags when they come back from trick-or-treating. <laughs> we call it the dad tax. Oh, yeah. I've taken, I've taken an anti-tax before, too. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, I'm sure they're thrilled. Like, take them. Tootsie Rolls. You can have them. <laughs> or at least favorite candy. Tootsie Rolls are probably really under, understated. Like, I think they're the winner of Halloween, really. Oh, is that for you, too? Is no, I don't. Uh, I think I've eaten a lot of Tootsie Rolls. I'm not going to turn a Tootsie Roll down, but like the fact that I think they're gluten-free and they're dairy-free, there should be more Tootsie Rolls. I just don't, they just seem to be the most like manufactured. <laughs> You're just like, what yeah. am I eating? But it's so yeah. good. Well, it's kind of like saltwater taffy. It's like a, I don't know. I don't even know what a Tootsie Roll is composed of. Is it like malt? <laughs> Some... Yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah. Oh, just Tootsie rolled up? No. It's just some sugar concoction. So what's yours, Brooke? I think it's like the mini Reese's peanut butter cups, but not the ones that are in the shape of the peanut butter cup. They're like even smaller than that. Mm. They're like, oh. a, like a thimble one, you know? Oh, yeah. Like okay. Vid- yeah. I don't know why. I guess, I'm guessing it's the peanut butter chocolate ratio. However, if I were to have one today, I'd be like, there's way too much sugar in it. I don't know. I might go back to Tootsie Rolls later. Well, now you're making me think of Reese's Pieces, like the actual, like, the things like E.T. likes, the little Reese's Pieces. Yeah. Those, yeah. I love Reese's Pieces. Yeah. I need to switch mine to a juice box. You guys ever get a juice box? No. Oh, no. Maybe oh, a can yeah. of pop. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Or like the little Snickers. Those are good. Yeah. Because yeah. the peanuts in them. I like those. Oh yeah, you can you can start to think that it's healthy. Well, it's nuts. Almost. Those are good for you. Yeah, pretty much a protein bar. That is good. Everybody out there, if you're interested, please send us your favorite Halloween candy at <laughs> info at mentalhealthbootcamp.com. <laughs> we'll take a survey. We'll report the results next week. <laughs> okay, enough of that. So we do this little thing here that we call an ambush. And an ambush is when one of us comes up with a topic, the other three don't know what it is, and we try to answer some questions, describe it, and talk about it a little bit. A mental health-related topic, right? So this week, Brooke is up, and we get to hear from her. Brooke always has some zingers, so we'll see, uh, see what this one's like this week, huh? It's, it's not always a zinger, like sleep hygiene. That was a snoozy. Snoozy. <laughs> oh, that was good. All right. Sending. Okay. All right. It's coming my way. That one, Chris. Going all the way down there to California. Oh, boy. Oh, great. That's a good sign. <laughs> I mean, woo, can't wait to hear it. Yes. It's I don't more know. Than two words this time. Let's see. Let's see if we're uh, how qualified we are to answer this question. Ready? Okay. Medication. What are the common myths or misconceptions? Do you think medication is helpful? And if so, when? 
And if you feel medication is unhelpful, why? Okay, we got some digging in to do here. Medication, I'm assuming here you're talking about uh, psychiatric medications, right? Yeah, psychotropics. Just, just because I think it comes up a decent amount in my clients. Mm -hmm. Well, they come into the session and they're going to ask my opinion on it. Like, yeah, you think medication's helpful? Do you think I should be on medication? What medication? So obviously there's a lot of boundaries around that. We cannot uh, suggest certain medications to clients. That is definitely out of our scope, but we have some knowledge about what they are, what they do, yep. studies of if they're effective or not. Um, but I'm noticing that there is more and more controversy in the past five, 10 years and not because people are thinking like for or against it on their belief level, uh -huh. but more from research, more and more research is coming out or people mm -hmm. are disclosing more research that are making us ask more questions. So I thought it would be good a conversation. It is. And let me just clarify from the beginning for some people who may not be familiar. One of the, one of the most common questions that, I get when I tell people I'm a psychologist is to say, oh, do you prescribe medication? And, and just, just to throw it out there, psychologists and psychotherapists in general do not prescribe medication. That's not our, not our thing. We weren't trained for that um, medically. Uh, but psychiatrists are medical doctors, and they are the ones who typically prescribe medication, although nowadays more and more kind of primary care physicians, family doctors are prescribing uh, medications, anxiety, uh, medication and depression medication, especially. So, mm -hmm. so we are, we take classes on uh, learning about medication and we, you know, have uh, continued education uh, workshops and things about medication, but uh, it's mostly to inform us uh, and kind of help us, help us to be aware of when we might want to refer someone for medication, that sort of thing but we don't actually do the prescribing. And I'm glad you brought that up. So that would kind of go into the first part, uh, misconceptions. Yes, yes, A lot of go. people don't realize that we're not able to do that and why right. we're not able to do that. Yes, uh, extra little caveat on that. There's a, there's a movement in the States here for, for psychologists to be able to prescribe. And there are actually several states now that uh, that do offer prescription privileges for psychologists. They have to go through extra training in order to do that. Um, but uh, mm -hmm. some people think that's a great idea. Some people think, no, let's not do that. Let's just keep it pure to psychotherapy. But uh, anyway, just throwing that out there to confuse things, confuse things a little bit more. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. So there's more myths, myths and misconceptions about medication. There's a lot. Yeah. You know, I think it's, uh, it's tricky because when it comes to something like um, mental health, often people think it follows a medical model where you can take a medication or a treatment and that's going to solve the underlying issues. And uh, from my perspective, yes, it can be part of the treatment plan, but often it maybe doesn't address the underlying concerns or issues that need to be explored. Uh, with psychotherapy. So in some circumstances, maybe the combination of medication and psychotherapy could be useful. Right. Um, I've also noticed the how subjective um, it can be based on the individual. Um, so some people come in and feel that was really helpful in terms of 
um, assisting them with the symptoms of depression or anxiety, whatever it might be, mm -hmm. or others have had really bad experiences on it, experiences taking it. Um, again, I don't, in counseling, I don't um, give my perspective on it too much is, you know, usually refer them to their medical doctor or psychiatrist to learn more or, or assess the, uh, the effectiveness of it. Many years ago, I wrote an article in Psychology Today called Four Things Medication Can't Teach You, um, which had to do with, uh, you know, medication can be helpful in improving symptoms. It can definitely help people improve their functioning. Maybe it, it raises their depression or, or lowers their anxiety. It definitely has some benefits, but, but it's not going to tell you why you feel that way in the first place. It's not going to tell you why you're depressed or anxious because medication doesn't teach you these things. Um, it doesn't, medication doesn't teach you what else you can do to help with the symptoms, just medication alone, right? Because there are many other things, many other behavioral things that people can do to, uh, to manage their symptoms of, uh, say, depression or anxiety. Um, it won't teach you how to keep something from recurring in the future, right? Let's say it, it lifts you out of a depression, and then you say, okay, I'm done now, so I'm going to go off it. It's not really teaching you anything about how to avoid future depression, right? Mm. And and it doesn't teach you who who you are. This is just kind of my pitch for psychotherapy. There, you know, you're not really going to learn much about yourself necessarily just from medication alone. You have to do some more self exploration. So, yeah. so that's kind of my 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 caveat that I'll tell clients if they're thinking of going on medication. Say, like, yes, okay. If that's if that's where we are, absolutely. But let's remember that. That's only part of the picture. It's, it's probably going to help. Or could possibly help you with uh, with symptom management, but uh, it may. I mean, it's not going to. That medication alone is not going to teach you anything. For sure, we had a psychologist that uh, Joanna Brooke and I knew very well, uh, the late Tina Colton. She was uh, fantastic and a mentor for for us, and she had a great way of explaining medication to her clients. She talked about the window of tolerance and how. Um, on either end is uh, uh, rigidity or chaos, right? So the goal is to have a nice range of emotion in the, in the middle there, kind of influenced by the Dan Siegel window of tolerance there. But sometimes you dip down or you dip up and, and again, things you have a hard time functioning or, or things are very chaotic. So it can help you get you back into that, that window. But after that, it's maybe that's where the psychotherapy or the other approaches can, can help, right? So kind of highlighting that the functionality piece or being able to function that you uh, talked about there, Ryan. Sure. Sure. I like Ryan, the, your comparison there that the, or you noting that medication won't help you necessarily discover or with the root cause or what's happening. Right. I think sure. about that just with medication for a different kind, just for bodily ailments. If you have an ache or pain, you can take a Tylenol or Advil to help deal with that, but there could be something that keeps happening that's giving you that pain. And if you're not going to figure that out, um, you know, you're not really help. Yeah. There's better yeah. ways to maybe help yourself. Not better ways, just more to explore than medication alone can do for you. For sure. Yeah. And there's different types of medications, psychotropic medications that are often prescribed like the SSRIs that are often used for, uh, depression and sadness and sometimes anxiety. Um, it's also benzo benzodiazepine, which is um, a little more of an intensive medication. Um, 
that uh, if you're on it for for a while, it can. Uh, it's almost like a mild tranquilizer, isn't it? Kind of sure. Um, the, the feeling it it provides you, but can be um, if longer on it, you may have to wean yourself off of it. It can impact your ability to focus your mind. Um, now, I, I also want to be fair. Kind of, I don't want to, us to slip into a place where it sounds like we're bashing medication because I've got to say I've seen some clients who benefited greatly from medication. You know, where we worked for a while trying to help uh, teach them why they're feeling that way and kind of discover uh, some different things they could do. And then they say, all right, I'm going to try medication now. And uh, it's like a light switch for some people. It's, it could be pretty remarkable. Within a few weeks, they, they feel a lot better. They're coping a lot better. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it, can be, it can be a great thing um, and can actually help enhance the psychotherapy because they're better able to take some things in or... Yeah. Uh, that can think more clearly or whatever that might be. Um, so definitely don't want this to come across as anti-medication because there's, no. and and in fact, I would say one of the myths that I would like to throw out there too is that taking medication means that you are you know severely ill or that uh, you're going to be hooked on it for the rest of your life. And certainly there are some folks who um, uh, can get maybe on on some of the the benzodiazepines, the Xanax uh, or something like that. Some people can get really um, can get hooked on those if, if they're not watching the the medication closely. But um, but for for most people, it's it's a temporary thing. They'll take a an SSRI for a few months or a few maybe a couple of years, whatever that might be, uh, under the close supervision of a physician, and they are hopefully. You know, feeling better and kind of building up a scaffolding beneath them so that they're not going to, uh, uh, you know, fall back into depression when they come off and then they can wean off the medication and it's fine. So there, I don't think there's anything, um, you know, morally or, or characterologically wrong with somebody who takes medication. And of course, the, the analogies that we all like to use is, are things like, you know, if you have diabetes, you'll take insulin. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, if you have, if you have asthma, if so you have, take a puffer. Mm-hmm. Yes, sure. You will. All, all sorts of different ailments that people will take medication for, and it's shown to be helpful. Um, there's no need to have a stigma about, uh, about psychiatric medication. Yeah, definitely. So Ryan, uh, before you went into those myths, I picked up on another myth you touched on without realizing it that I've heard from clients, which is, or, a, a, a misconception perhaps that it's going to start working right away. Ah, yes. That they're going to go to the doctor, they're going to get this medication, an SSRI, and it's, they're going to feel better like in a day or two. Um, and so that's an educational, a psycho-ed opportunity often in therapy for me is letting people yeah. know this is a gradual thing that's going to take place and, um, and not to be scared if that dose goes up because when you first start medication, you're yeah. typically at a subclinical dose. You're at a dose that isn't even really in the range of uh, where improvement's gonna be seen. And that's just to see if you have side effects. Mm. And your doctor is gonna monitor that with you. And then after 10 days or two weeks, you're gonna double the dose and not to get too scared about that, right? And then you're gonna wait a couple weeks until you hit max effect. So this isn't something that you're gonna take it, you're gonna feel better. Not an SSRI, at least. Another myth there, Brooke, that you touch on, and you raise a great point there. But um, another one is when people will say, well, I'm thinking of going on some medication and my, you know, my good friend takes Wellbutrin, so I'm going to do that and that's going to work for me. 
uh, or I don't want to take Prozac because that uh, made my brother gain 30 pounds or something like that, right? The, the, big, the big mysterious component to specific, especially psychiatric medication is that it really, the impact has to do with your own body chemistry and it, the, the, the results can vary greatly from person to person. What the side effects might be, what the benefits might be, you know, mm-hmm. if there are drawbacks to it. And so it's really common for people who are taking, say, uh, a, an SSRI, a, a depression medication, to have to try two or three different ones before they find one that works for them. Exactly. And so, yes, that also takes a long period of time because you're going through the, the gradual ramping up and, uh, you know, that can take weeks to months. I, yeah, yeah. Which is also why there's specialists for this. There are psychiatrists Mm -hmm. for this because they're going to understand that chemistry way better than what we will as therapists, right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, Sure. I agree. But as therapists also, we, you know, have the unique experience of being able to see them kind of in the snapshot every week or however often seeing us Mm -hmm. and kind of see what the changes might be over that course of time and maybe Mm -hmm. feed that back to the client for, you know, as our observation, like, huh, you look like you're, you're feeling better this week. You're a little brighter, you know, Yeah. your, your face exactly. you're smiling a little bigger, whatever that might be. Yeah. Your eyes are brighter, right? Mm-hmm. They're more open. And yeah. Yep. Another myth that my clients seem to, or what I notice is um, they, they want to go on it for a short term. Like they want to go on it for a short period of time. Yeah. So just kind of explaining <laughs> a short period of time for these SSRIs is probably six months to a year yeah it's so i think some you know sometimes people when they're thinking about taking the medications they think they're going to take it for two weeks um and then they're going to feel better you're going to go off it but going on medication is a bit more of a process just with that build up trying to find the right one and then safely going off the medication with assistance of your physician the whole process start to finish might take a year you are. Yes, been trying out several different ones and all of that. That yeah. might be might take quite some time. Yeah. So when I say it's a quick it can be a quick fix like a uh like flipping a switch, <laughs> I guess I'm speaking relatively. Meaning, you know, it could be for some folks, yeah, within a month or, or so, they could be feeling a lot better. But mm-hmm. uh, for many folks that does take quite a bit longer. Mm-hmm. And just to always, you know, if you're wanting to stop them for whatever reason, just do so under the guidance of your doctor. Think stopping medications cold turkey is not recommended, um, and there could be quite adverse kind of mm-hmm. side effects of that. So just always kind of consult, consult, consult. Yeah. Very true. Yeah. Very now, true. With this, uh, one area that I see that this seems to happen quite quickly: improvement from medication, although it's not actually from taking the medication. The placebo effect of having Ativan when you're on a plane, if you're anxious to go on plane rides. Hmm. You're saying just having it with you. Just having it with you seems to reduce, without actually even taking one, seems to reduce the anxiety in in what I've heard from many clients, just having it with them will will totally prevent a panic attack on a plane for them. Interesting. That's true. Yeah. Having it. So uh, yeah, I've heard the same thing. It's like a, a safety net there. Um, like just in a case. safety, yeah, security. Yeah. But also just, you know, if, if you look at the research too, 
uh, a lot of people take medications with the expectation that it's going to give them a boost. So the wider placebo effect too, when it comes to medication has been studied as well, right? Certainly, certainly. Uh, when you were talking, Brooke, about, uh, you know, something having an immediate effect, I actually then remembered a whole other branch of medications, which is ADHD medications, right? Yes. Uh, so Ritalin um, and some of the, the other partners out there, for people who are struggling with ADHD, they can take that, and it's a short-acting and quick-acting uh, medication they'll take that in the morning and they'll feel great feel more focused and more, better able to, uh, uh, to to pay attention within a couple hours mm -hmm. so yeah that has a but they kind of need to take it uh, on that on a regular basis because it doesn't like build up in your system it goes it's uh, short acting short half-life mm -hmm. so okay so medications were well, you guys, how do you talk to your clients about medications? Like if you notice someone is, um, is highly anxious and you, you've kind of worked through a lot of your uh, kind of go-to anxiety treatments, will you talk to them about medication or how, how do you go about those as their psychotherapist? Oh, that's a good question. I actually start uh, that, that topic or conversation on day one. Because on the intake, I do ask if they're currently taking any medications and whether that be psychotropic medication or whether that's any other yeah. medication, right? So it's already on there um, or their history of taking it. So clients are typically pretty open about that. And if they say, no, I've never been on a medication for this, then I do ask their opinion on it, not to sway them one way or another, but just to get a temperature check from them on where are you at with how open you are and what's your values and beliefs around this because you have to meet the client where they're at and where they're comfortable. So mm -hmm. if a client says, no, I've never been on them and I don't want to, then I'm aware of that. And I know in the future, if I need to bring it up, it's done very gingerly. So, um, yeah. So if it is something, then that might be a, I know that we've talked about this before, but I'm wondering maybe you would be more open to looking into medication is that something we've done all these things you're finding it challenging mm -hmm. i can explain how medication works a little bit you could draw a diagram of i was just gonna say that <laughs> synapse and the uh the little serotonin's going back and forth right sure can chris do you are you looking for it right now it's on a yellow sticky note Oh man! I don't see here. For those who are just Might listening and not viewing, everywhere, where? In a drawer. The main big drawer or the one? Drawers? Yeah, <laughs> there's drawers. This is great listening. Have to, uh, give me a few moments to find it here. But <laughs> uh, Brooke had had a drawing that she showed us a few weeks ago, so maybe this is maybe that was the inspiration for this talk here today, huh, Brooke? Yeah. I think the other one would have been really straining for our brains. I had another topic. Maybe I'll, I'll save it for next time. Okay. Um, yeah, I like your approach there, Brooke. And I, I think I do elements of that as well. I was trying to gauge their perspective of it and gather information. Um, of course, you know, I don't offer my, I'm just curious whether it's working for them. And, and I think every option is usually on the table when it comes to helping someone with their mental health. Um, and ideally be, 
often collaborate with her doctor or psychiatrist and, and work together and, and see if we can um, help them. Um, so I think that's often very beneficial. So there's oh. been, oh, do we have it here? Hey, I found it. Okay, now you gotta go to YouTube to look Here's at Here's a this. reason to go to YouTube. Oh, oh there we go. Perfect. <laughs> okay, Brooke, can, can you explain this diagram for us, please? Well, it's not gonna be very fun for the people that can't see it, though. Well, this is uh, a reason right. for them to go to YouTube, I guess. <laughs> well, it's gonna be hard. <laughs> oh, it looks really bad. Oh my gosh, you, get, you guys just gotta go to YouTube. Anyways, so this is a sending neuron and then a receiving neuron. And what happens is an electrical transmission goes down. That's the arrow is an electrical transmission going down. And then there's a receptor site that sends a neurotransmitter across an area called the synapse, which connects into another receptor site on the receiving neuron and sends the, the message down. So, and every neurotransmitter is, has a different shape. So this has triangles and squares and circles. So in this example, the SSRI, we're gonna work with serotonin is the little triangle. So the triangle goes across and connects into the receptor, sends a signal. Once it sent the signal, it has to travel back across the synapse and then it reconnects into a receptor type. And, and that's called reuptake. So medication, where the little X is, the X represents the medication blocking that receptor site. So when serotonin tries, to, serotonin tries to go home, it can't. And so it bounces back off, goes through the synapse, and reconnects to the other side, sending another signal. So the medication doesn't give you more serotonin. It just makes your serotonin work harder. But this diagram apparently is kind of funny looking. Oh, the, the funny looking Ryan and let, Joanna. Let me just say that that uh, I think this diagram shows that at heart you're really a Freudian. Yeah, I was just thinking oh. that because it's uh, <laughs> it looks a little phallic to me. I don't know. Just a little bit. A little Could be bit. Mushrooms. Right. Could be. No. Could be. That's a whole other story. So yes, thank you, Brooke, for that description that of was. the of the. SSRI, the selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor, right? Yeah. Yeah, very educational. That's good. It's good. A, a question. I would like to see oh. all of you guys draw that now. Okay. <laughs> I'd literally draw it exactly as you did it. <laughs> I used to draw those in my textbooks back in high school. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I can't really draw it, Brooke. But I tell you, I have dreams about that sometimes. I don't know. <laughs> Oh, that's great. That's good. <laughs> oh, funny. Uh, of course you would, Ryan, being the, uh, you know, the, the Freudian psychologist there. That's good. Psychoanalysis, yeah. Yeah. Psychoanalysis, yeah. Um, I lost train, my train of thought there. Oh, yeah, my question. So in psychology right now, they're doing a lot of testing on other types of drugs to impact people. So for instance, to help with pain and a whole bunch of other things, including anxiety, there's CBD that's being um, uh, given to patients, especially up here in Canada. It's being, I'm sure down there too, Ryan. Um, they're also doing uh, for addiction, um, ayahuasca. So we have uh, Gabber Mate, 
who specializes uh, in one of our addiction experts in Vancouver, and he'll actually take clients and hook them up with this type of treatment. It's still kind of controversial and still mm -hmm. gathering some data, but I've had some clients who've done that before and they felt it was life-changing and um, part of the mm -hmm. solution in terms of um, ending their substance use. Yeah, mm -hmm. I have a few uh, peers from way back in my master's who are now, I think there's two from my cohort that are doing training in the use of psychedelic drugs in treatment. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. So it's interesting. Yes. Yes, uh, I spoke with, I interviewed a uh, fellow by the name of Michael Mithoffer for the Psychotherapy Networker who uses MDMA uh, mm -hmm. for trauma treatment. That's right. Yeah. Fascinating, fascinating work that's being done there. I mean, this is, this is like one time or maybe a couple times. Uh, we're not talking about the same thing as SSRIs where it's, you know, a daily pill. This is, this is specific treatment where you uh, are doing basically with with his system it's like an eight hour therapy session and you're given given a dose of uh of this very strong kind of uh psychedelic drug and then you kind of process through your trauma um the the belief is that or what they're what they find is that people are able to go through and discuss their trauma at at, at a distance because the drug kind of helps them see things that kind of out of body experience in a way, so they can see their traumatic experience and kind of empathize with themselves in a different way. Um, of course, a lot of training goes into this and, uh, and he's a medical doctor. There always has to be a medical doctor uh, nearby, but it's a big deal in psychotherapy these days. People are, are looking at psychedelics of, of all sorts, psilocybin, MDMA, uh, ketamine is a big one. I've seen a lot of folks taking ketamine right now and, and uh, that's, for some been very helpful for their depression symptoms. So yeah, it's a big field. Yeah, so I think they're trying to standardize it a bit and, and trying to gather some research and trying to do it in a very safe way. But um, some interesting uh, results so far, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Also, to be, <laughs> to, to speak out of the other side of my mouth, there's also been critici criticism of, of medication. Um, that people are kind of being over-medicated in, uh, in the U.S. at least. I don't know what you guys have up there. But uh, oftentimes, and it, it, 30 years ago, if people had a problem, they would first go to either a therapist or like a, a religious leader or someone, you know, a trusted person, maybe their medical doctor to talk about what was going on, um, to talk about what was going on, try to find some, some other solution. But now the, the first place that people often go is to their, their primary care physician and say, I'm anxious, please, can you give me something? And it's just, they go kind of straight to medication. Um, and that's unfortunate. I, I'm thinking, my bias is that that's unfortunate because again, medication doesn't teach you anything and there, there's kind of a lot lost there. And what we've, what research has shown is that it's actually for someone who's got some, some significant issues going on, it's the combination of medication and psychotherapy that's the most beneficial. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, often encourage people just to educate yourself as much as you can on the medication. Sometimes um, um, a lot of the, the uh, prescriptions come from uh, GPs and family doctors, and often mm -hmm. they have such a short amount of time to connect with the patients. Not always the case, and I don't want to... Um, make any assumptions here but um often they provide a lot of material to patients so i really encourage them to to look at it and, and research it and the side effects as well right yes 
Potential side effects, right. Potential side effects, yeah. 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 Hmm. Yeah. So to complete Brooke's question here, um, is there a time when you feel medication is unhelpful? We've talked about a lot of ways that it might be helpful, but when might it be unhelpful? If at all. Um, again, it's kind of tricky to, to comment because I'm not as well versed in this as a psychiatrist or doctor, of course, but yeah. uh, if I, if, if the a client is noticing some intensive side effects, then if it's impacting their ability to sleep and eat and some of those essential aspects of well-being, then I encourage them to follow up with their doctor. And, or if I had a, a, a genuine concern and I thought it might be medication related, I may just not, I wouldn't share my comments with the client um, directly, but I may call the, the doctor and maybe, and just discuss it, discuss the concerns and maybe they can educate me on, on it or talk about that a bit more in depth. And it's not uncommon too that we hear some people say that they've tried out multiple, uh, you know, antidepressants or things like that. So some, you know, different people might work better with different drugs. So there's that yeah. too finding one that's most appropriate for them. But again, I'm not a professional in that way. So it's just more, I just hear that more that people are like, yeah, this one wasn't working for me. So I've weaned off it and gone on a different one. And so that's not uncommon. Yeah. I used to work at a, a, um, a detox, like a, and uh, we had a in integrative team. So I was a therapist there. And then we had a, a med medical doctors and nurses and stuff. And often, uh, uh, people present with a lot of opiate addiction and um, addiction to benzo benzodiazepine as well. Um, so I'm not, I'm not saying that it is, they are addictive, but sometimes they can be a little more addictive some from the other ones and need some assistance and help to, to properly wean off of them or to switch to a more appropriate medication that's a little safer. So those are usually two that pop into my mind is benzodiazepines and, and uh, opiates to to um, again, uh, educate yourself and it could be very much beneficial in terms of your treatment, but uh, there can also be some concerns. I would just add to that, that I think there are some times when, when people may be going through, uh, maybe experiencing some emotions that are, that are pretty normal and necessary mm -hmm. and they feel that maybe they need to medicate that instead. And we actually talked about this uh, mm -hmm when we were talking about grief uh, several episodes ago. Um, and my belief is that, you know, I know that grief is uncomfortable and, and painful, but um, it's, I believe it's a necessary process we have to go through, not, not a problem to be necessarily medicated. And, and certainly there are a lot of degrees of this and someone experiencing debilitating to grief to the point where they can't even function, then yeah, medication may be the right option. But if you're yeah. just feeling some discomfort about some things, um, you know, a loss, um, feeling some kind of normal anxiety that someone might feel on a first date or something like that, we don't need to medicate all of our feelings. And, uh, and I think, sadly, I think some, some of our society, at least here, kind of believes that, you know, oh, you're, you're, you're feeling something uncomfortable? Well, we've got a medication for that, you know, or here's something you can do to, to take that away. And uh, I think that's unfortunate because I think there's some things, like I say, that we, it, it's, it's, it's good for our character and I think actually part of our healing process to be able to feel some of those feelings. Mm -hmm. Mm 
Mm -hmm. I yeah. agree. Also, uh, uh, an unhelpful, well, it's not necessarily unhelpful, but it might be a point of conversation with a client. For me, if they've been on a medication for a, a while, by a while, I mean six months or a year or longer, and um, their symptoms, they're reporting symptoms that are similar to when they started the medication. So if there doesn't seem to be much of a difference, because sometimes we'll just get in the habit, not saying that medication can't be helpful, helpful for that person, but maybe that means it's time to go to the doctor and do a, a, a reassessment of, is this the right one? Is this working? Where, where, where was I when I started? Where am I now? Just ha it's like starting that conversation a bit. Yeah. That's good. That's a good question. Good point. Yes. Yeah. Kind of a reevaluation. Mm -hmm. Well, you guys, we have uh, we have medicated ourselves to the end of our episode here. We're all the way there. Mm -hmm. I hope I hope our vo voices have been as soothing as Xanax and uh, <laughs> and other benzos, right? Our our um, outro music should be Prozac, the band Prozac. Oh, there you go. Can't what did uh, Joanna say that Ryan's voice is like the Morgan Freeman of mental health boot camps? Of a podcast. Yes. Or yeah. a podcast, yeah. yeah. There we go. Okay. A little anxiety uh, reduction there, yeah. hopefully. Yeah, a dose of Rye guy. Just a little dose of Ryan. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. All right. Uh, so that's it, everybody. Like and subscribe on the Apple, Google, Podbean, or YouTube. Send your questions to us at info at mentalhealthbootcamp.com. Visit us on Facebook or Instagram. Tell a friend and uh, come take a look at YouTube at the, uh, the great drawing. Yes, perfect. Way to go. All right, you guys. Have a lot of fun. Have a good night. Bye, See you later, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.